Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, I am. I'm okay. How are you? I'm. I'm good. I'm continuing to feel a bit better than I was the week before. Everything's on an upward trajectory. The weather's starting to turn into this beautiful Californian springy summery type stuff. That's just amazing. I have no cause for complaint whatsoever. It is it, the weather's starting to turn here, but that means it's starting to turn sweltering. And you know, for the podcast, of course, I turn off turn off the air conditioner and, and all that sort of stuff. So, which which long term listeners have heard my travails about this and don't <laughs> want to hear about it again? Suffering for the listeners, I'm sure everyone appreciates it. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes without saying I have to suffer for the listeners every single episode. <laughs> you got me. Well, it's almost like you put it on a tee. All I had to do was swing the bat. Yeah, there we go. Isn't that my job, Ben? <laughs> I appreciate it. Always making me look. I'd say always making me look good, but you know, you're always making me look mean. Uh, neither of those things are true. I, uh, you, uh, on the subject of looking good, I I must compliment you on this week's article on um, Apple and organizational structures. They are topics that we've. Uh, touched on, but the way you threaded it together was uh, super compelling, super clear, and I thought you did a really good job. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It is something we've touched on, and I think um, uh, there's a podcast we had a a few weeks ago, I think, where we were talking about Amazon, and we kind of had an aside about Apple, and it's and this this services issue and the way that the organization is structured, and it's something that we've, we've mentioned multiple times, and I, I guess what what I was, this was, this is the chance, like in some respects, you know, it's good to have like the place to point to and be like, this is the point that I, I keep trying, that I keep trying to make. And so, mm. um, I was gonna, I had this sort of, uh, I had, I, I was seeing if I could have a tie in to like WWDC cause that was announced the same day. So I was going to do, uh, like WWSD, like what would Steve do? What, what, what you know, with WWDC, <laughs> but it was a terrible, it was a terrible pun, which, which obviously didn't get used, but there, there, there is a, Steve Jobs aspect of this, which we can certainly get to, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's almost a relief to have to have it out there. And I think what 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 wasn't appreciated, and, and you kind of um, you said before we record that you thought I backed off from it in my follow up the next Ooh, day. But I, I said it much nicer than the way you just said it. You almost those words almost got spat out of your mouth. <laughs> oh no, no, not not at all. What, what I was trying to present here is. The fact that I think Apple is facing a choice uh-huh. and I could make an argument for either side what Apple could do, but the argue, but I don't think you can say that like a choice is going to be made and that choice is going to either be made explicitly or implicitly. Mm-hmm. And what I was trying to define in this article is that Apple ought to be making this explicitly and, and, and go with it. And that choice is what what apple has built and this is kind of the broad thesis of the article what a- apple is a remarkable company and they're remarkable for all kinds of reasons but one of the biggest is the way that the company is structured and built to deliver great products mm-hmm. and that sounds trivial but it's it's actually super fundamental foundational and when johnny ive is out there saying our focus is just building great products you don't like you don't make great products cuz you want to make great products everyone wants to make great products like the you create as I said in the piece, you, you need to create the conditions to create great products. And what Steve Jobs was super tuned into and was really, you know, was, and Tim Cook had said this, that this was something that Steve Jobs impressed on, uh, on him again and again, is that Apple organizationally needed to be set up in a way that it could consistently deliver great products. And it's not an accident that Apple is organized differently from all other companies and that Apple consistently delivers great products again and again without with, without a miss. Like those things are 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 connected, right? No one's going to argue with any of that. Yeah. So so let's back up. I think we probably dived into for people who who haven't read the piece. Um, basically, you know the 
there's there are multiple forms, but at a very high level, there, there, there's traditionally been kind of two forms of organizations. And, and for a very long time, and most small companies are like this, and and uh, and startups are often like this, is the the functional organization or the the unitary organizational form, the U form. And what's funny, so I've, I I knew the term U form and M form for a long time, and I always thought they just were because they looked like the letters. Um, because if you like turn a, like a U is like vertical and an M is like, like an organizational chart with like multiple things uh. coming out. So I actually always thought that U form and M form was just because they looked like the letters. Um, I, I never, I, it was, it was a long time before I realized that they, they actually were, uh, were words that, that, that but it's, it's, so they're particularly apt names because, because both in shape and in meaning, there they, they apply to the organization. Hmm. So a, a unitary organizational form is basically, it's a functional organization. It's organized by function. And Apple, it's super, you go to Apple's executive page, you can see it, right? There's a, there's the, the president design or, or chief design officer. There's product marketing. There's operations. There's software engineering. There's hardware engineering. And what is not there is, and what, is the vice president of iPhone is the vice president of, of iPad is the vice president of the Mac. There's no one person that owns that. Whereas in the vast majority of companies, it's, it's different. It's someone owns different products. You're organized by product, not by function. And underneath the iPhone, there would be iPhone engineering and and iPhone software and iPhone marketing and iPhone sales and iPhone operations. And under Mac, there would be all these different things. And, and, that that would be the the multi-divisional form like where you have different divisions and apple has been super focused on that u form and cutting across and there's a lot of power that that comes from this one is by being organized by expertise and focus on expertise like the career path for someone at apple is to get deeper and deeper into their discipline so if you're in engineering or hardware engineering, like you're like, there's less of a going up to like a general manager. Like in, a, in a general, in, in, a, in a typical organization, you're promoted up the chain, and the farther up the chain you get, the further away you almost get from your discipline. You get more into managing groups of people and all, and, and that sort of stuff. So you you almost get a deeper level of expertise because that's where that's where you live. You like the promise Apple will tell you when you go there. And and I remember when Apple came to present at Kellogg, they they were almost like. <laughs> like purposely trying to turn people off and being like, we don't believe in general managers. Like that's not something that you're going to get from coming here. What we want are people who are like dedicated and care about mastering their craft and blah, 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 blah. And it sounds, again, it sounds cliche, but it's true. That's, that's how the organization works. And the other thing that, that happens with this is the way that an iPhone comes to be, it doesn't come to be by fiat, by, by fiat, fiat. How do you say it? Fiat. Fiat. <laughs> Thank you. You, there has to be coordination across all these groups. So engineering has to work with software, has to work with operations, all these sorts of things. And that's hard and difficult. And we talked about, I think I think it was on that podcast a week ago, we talked about the fact that Apple is unapology, unapologetically says they love meetings. Like, it shocked me that I was there. Like, this idea of forcing people to work together and come together to solve problems, it's not just a matter of meetings for the hell of it. It's that... You, it's the only way for these groups that are don't have a single owner, don't have a single boss to coordinate and actually get this stuff accomplished. But we, what you get out of that is a much deeper level of integration, which is the, the the exact sort of key to so much of the the user experience of these products that makes them great and, and differentiated. It's interesting, right? Because although I would say amongst big companies, the M form is much more common in startups, it's typically the U form. Like when you look at organizations that are young and just starting out, it's often the case that they're organized just the way that Apple is. What makes them unique is that they've got to the size and scale that they have without abandoning that organizational structure. Totally. And and, and it's, it's one of the um, it's a great observation. You know, all big companies like to say, oh, we're like a startup or we're thinking uh -huh. like a startup. But one, it's, it's generally, of course, no, you're not a startup and no, Apple's not a startup either. But this is actually a very real, intangible and meaningful way in which Apple, you're exactly right, is a startup. In, in the, they're organized that way. And the reason why, the, the problem though is, is this structure, it's super great for delivering an integrated an integrated product but it 
and you can like and you can scale from the perspective of making a lot of iPhones, but it doesn't scale horizontally at all. And this is why almost all companies and all startups end up becoming divisional because a new team comes up that's at a very different stage in its evolution or has a different business or whatever. And what's in the original structure and the original team and all those communication channels and all the things that they think about and all, all the things that they're focused on don't apply to the new thing. So it needs to be separated so it can, it can develop its own, its own structure and its own way of doing business. And, and that's the reason why all, all startups end up not being startups. And it's not because it's a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing. The the um, the illustration that you brought into the article to show this around how Dupont kind of realized this going from gunpowder to paint, thinking that because the the manufacturing process and the uh, the ingredients of the two were so similar that they could go from one to the other easily, but they were making huge losses. And as uh, the new product became more successful, the losses continued to increase. And the realization that it's not just enough to be thinking about it in terms of manufacturing process and raw ingredients, but also thinking about the business model and thinking about how you approach a uh, building a sales force and how you think about marketing it, it's like so instructive as to the reason that most organizations don't persist once there's more than one product on the table, don't persist in that functional structure. Right. And, and, and the reason why the, the, the DuPont example wasn't an act, like I didn't just choose out of thin air. Like the, their, this story of DuPont is actually quite famous mm. for, because they, like they literally invented this structure. And um, what's interesting is, is the, uh, there's, a, there are several DuPonts, like they're cousins or I, I, I think. And one of them, the other company that's famous for figuring this out was, was GM. And at, one of the deposits was it was actually at GM, and and so th- th- the development of this between the two companies was very interrelated. But it, it started at Dupont, and there's lots of things going on here. From a historical context, we were we we were really getting into the era of big companies where there was there was such efficiencies to be gained by by having these conglomerations and these, these, these massive companies. And part of that was because increased transportation links, like railroads were now everywhere. Uh, you know, there was, you know, the first inklings of kind of globalization a little bit. And so there, all these factors went into, there was benefits to be had by being big. Yeah, exactly. That It was the exact point I was about to make. It was the dawn of the era where scale became one of the greatest competitive advantages that you can have, that you could do things no one else could do only if you were big. Right, exactly. But the, but the and so all this stuff had to be figured out, right? You had to figure out how to how to how to manage a big company and yeah, what's what's so what's so interesting about this about this Dupont story is and I mentioned in here is basically they like Dupont grew incredibly wealthy during World War 1. It's a, it's it's here here's a business tip. It's good to be a gunpowder manufacturer during the World War. <laughs> yeah, I but, meant to that. <laughs> I mean the problem was though they so in gunpowder was one of those things where the bigger the factory and the more you could produce at a single time, like the more profitable it came hugely. Like, so it was, and we've talked a lot about the, these sort of fixed cost sort of like services companies, right? These horizontal companies where the more, the bigger they are, the more they can spread their costs around kind of more customers. The, 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 the way that profitability increases with scale, like the mm. bigger you get, the cheaper things get on, on, on a per unit basis. And that absolutely applied to gunpowder. The problem is, um, the problem with war, the problem with wars, if you're a, uh, if you're a, uh, a gunpowder supplier is that, um, uh, the gunpowder gets used and it's eventually used so effectively that the war is over. Right. And then, and then, you know, yes, you can still sell some, sell gun, some gunpowder, but you have all this one, you have all this capacity and two, uh, it's not just that you have the capacity that's being unused. It's that your, your, your entire manufacturing business model f- falls apart on a scale. I mean, you see with, with, with Intel, like uh, a real, th- you know, um, mm. in, Intel's profitability is mm. predicated to a huge degree on volume. So, you know, they're kind of restructuring their business. And I actually, I kind of like what they're doing with their business. We can maybe touch on it if we have time, mm. but 
there's part of their business where they're making a lot of relatively low margin stuff, like for Internet of Things, all sort of things. And a big reason why they're doing that is not just to create this this sort of they're presenting it as as this loop, you know, where they they're they're creating the server backend and and all these chips and all these devices. But a big part of that is they need to make a lot of chips just as a matter of scale to pay off their massive amount of fixed costs. And again, it's just something we've touched on again and again the the, the relationship between fixed costs and the need for scale and how, how intimately connected those two things are. Right. Like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you think about the gunpowder is the gun, the ingredients to the gunpowder are cheap. It's all the things to put the gunpowder together that you buy once that are expensive. And if those are the, if those are the ingredients to the equation, then you want to get as big as possible, as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, I, yeah exactly. I, to be honest, I don't know exactly how gunpowder is made. I think it's relatively simple. I don't, um, but uh, but the, the the long and short of it is that the the process and the and the ingredients it turned out for gunpowder very similar to paint, and so what, what what's interesting about this is to think about Dupont's mindset, and Dupont's mindset here was was how do we leverage what we have to and, and to achieve kind of our, our business ends. Like they started with the manufacturing process and the need to get scale. And that's how they arrived at paint because paint was a similar process. And they, and so they, they moved from one from gunpowder to paint and by all it, evidence, they didn't think about all the rest of the business. They didn't think about how to sell it. Right. Because what would ended up happening to the point is that selling to the government or selling to whatever people use gunpowder is very different than selling to retail stores where, where people buy paint. And it was funny, you laugh, you snicker because it's so obvious, but because they were, they were in that manufacturing mindset, because that what was driving their decision-making was, was their manufacturing problem that, and this, you see this again and again in the, in, you get so focused on looking to solve one problem, you completely don't even, it's not that you don't you make the wrong choice elsewhere. You don't even realize you're not even making the right choice. Well, it didn't even occur to them. It's crazy, actually, that that it like the way to start a business. Well, I think the way to start a business is to start with the, and this is something that's come up a fair bit, is to start on the end problem, and that's definitely where they were with the the gunpowder. Like they'd built a business up around that end problem, and rather than evolve that way and say, oh. I wonder about paint like oh it seems like there's like like consumers need more paint or whatever they the the nature of the problem was oh my gosh the the market just the the bottom dropped out of the market for gunpowder what else can we use it for oh paint is similar let's just put paint you know given that's the way they arrived at developing that product yes i was snickering but to be honest it's actually pretty impressive that they managed to uh they managed to reorg and figure out, uh, well, not just reorg, create a new organizational structure in order to make the business profitable, given that's the way they arrived at this is the product we're going to sell. Oh, totally. And this is a reason why startups, this is the big advantage startups have. It's so easy to look at an incumbent in, in a new industry or area, and they have all the money, and they have all the connections, and they have and all that sort of stuff, and all these resources that they can bring to bear. The problem is... And the advantage that that startups have is startups are solving the problem the startup is solving the the startup grows up around that problem if that makes sense mm-hmm. right it's like it's like trees that grow around a building or or you know that that sort of thing where where everything about that that startup whether it be the structure whether it be the culture as we've talked about you know culture being the the accumulation of of decisions like all that sort of stuff is formed around the initial problem to be solved and that's incredibly powerful it's so powerful that startups with much fewer resources uh uh and no connections and all this sort of stuff can defeat massive incumbents why because the incumbents structure and culture and processes are fashioned around the initial problem that made the incumbent big and you and they look at an adjacent area and it seems like they should win it seemed like microsoft should have won mobile but they don't because they're they're actually it's not just that they're they're uh that the new area is not necessarily what they're best at they're actually in worse shape because all everything about their business and their pr- process and their cultures 
actually runs counter to what is necessary to exceed in the adjacent area. And yes, so although I was snickering, it's incredible that they managed because not only did they did they manage to change everything, they created a new organizational structure on the fly. So the the bird is in the air and it's flying. And not only do they they change all those things that you talked about, they actually figured out a new organizational like a new way of running a business in order to do it, which is super impressive. No, totally. And, well, it's, it, and as you might imagine, like it's easy to look at it and oh, they did this. It, it was torturous, right? And it mm. took it took it took several years, and it took them having like the worst year in the history of the company, and they losing like tons and tons and tons of money, like some in today's dollars, like billions of dollars mm. in a year, to finally get the the executives to, to to buy into this. But yeah, what they had to do was they had to basically chop off. They had to split the company in two effectively because as long as they were a gunpowder company, they would never be a successful paint company. And so they had to basically make two companies and there was the head of gunpowder and there was the head of paint and they had different sales teams and they had different manufacturing or they had the same manufacturing base, but like the communications channels were totally different. And the mm-hmm. way you, 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 you estimated the number of orders necessary and the way you, and, and all that sort of stuff, it had to be done differently to succeed. And yeah, and, and they, and they did pull it off, but it was, it, I mean, it was so, it, it was hard because DuPont prided themselves. Like they, they this wasn't accidental thinking. They, they were, they they had their DuPont University, like Apple University, like mm. about we are functionally organized and we're disciplined and we have the best well-run company. They were wide, like widely considered the, one of the most well-run companies in the world. Well, that's the that's the I, and I think that's a point worth picking up on too, right? Because the more successful you've been, the the and the the more people start to say that's the way things are done around here, and like we're the leading light, and everyone points at us as being this is the gold standard of how to run an organization. The harder it is to change something, and it 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 was if it wasn't for that crisis, that massive loss that you described, they probably wouldn't have been able to do it. Like they needed to go through that in order for people to be open to the possibility that things needed to go differently. And it's one of the takeaways that I remember from leadership at business school is that as a, as you become more successful with a culture, that it becomes more and more ingrained, it becomes harder to change. And the extent to which there must be an external shock increases uh it must increase for you to be able to change it. Otherwise, you're just never going to be able to change it. Like if DuPont had been going along happily and making lots of money from gunpowder and like that hadn't dropped and they decided they were going to start trying to sell paint and it wasn't working, I very much doubt that there would have been enough of a shakeup to the culture for them to land at the place where they eventually did. Yeah, or imagine if World War II had come along sooner, right? Mm. And they would have, and and suddenly the gunpowder division would have started making a ton of money again, and it would have papered over mm-hmm. the losses they were making in the paint division, right? Because they, the bottom line, would have been so successful. You marry a incredibly successful bottom line mm. with a a unintentional blindness in leadership, where they like they understand why they got where they are and they, and they believe that that's a winning for, formula. And not only is it hard to change culturally, it's like, you're, yeah, you're blind. You don't even realize that there's, that there's a problem. Which is a perfect segue back to Apple. It is. Uh, thank you. Uh, that, that was excellent uh, subconscious communication by us. <laughs> yeah. So here we're, we're here with we're, we're, today. Today's Apple is um, the most, you know, the profitable company in, in history. I think, I mean, like they, they're, Biggest market cap, all that, all that, all this sort of stuff, and it's all predicated on 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 the iPhone, and so much of what goes into the iPhone and hardware companies. Uh, there's always been, you know, there always tend to be uh, discounted because the sense is they're going to be commoditized or can in a, in a hits driven business. Well, hit, the hits are going to go away. What can a company really deliver? You know, a killer product every single year. No, there's mm-hmm. going to be a dud or mm-hmm. And Apple has overcome that and uh, again and again and again. And what's great is Apple has a deep understanding about why they can do that. 
And they know it's not just about wanting to make great products. It's that the way the company works, the way the company is organized, the way the company is structured is geared around doing this. And this is something that was discussed when I was at Apple University. Like the Apple is super cognizant of what makes the company effective and that this is a huge part of it. And the results speak for themselves. Can I push you on this? Do you think they are super, and this is this speaks to the parallel around DuPont. Do you think they know what's made them successful or do you think they know what makes them successful? Because there's a, there's a difference between understanding at a at at the level of like it's this organizational structure that's made us successful and therefore we won't change it or do you think the understanding goes deep enough to the point that 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 I, I guess has come up in the podcast that you that you that you uh focus on in the article is that it's a if-then statement. It's in in this world. It's conditional. In this world, this is what has made you successful. But the nature of the world is changing just as it did to Japan. And if you don't start to do things differently, then what's caused you to be successful in the past may actually become a detriment in the future. It's a great question. I, I would say, first of all, I don't think Apple would 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 say that it's because of our organizational structure. And I don't think you were saying this. I just want to clarify. Right. Like it is one of the necessary ingredients to us yes. doing what we do. And there's lots of other things with that. I mean, the folks on products and the P mm. and the one PNL. So we, we, I'm sure we'll get to you know, and being mission driven and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's multiple pieces that go into it. But of course. It, I, I'm just clarifying for the audience. No, 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 and I appreciate it because I, I, I will get the angry emails if you didn't. So thank <laughs> no, you. So, but so that this point is the, but it's a, it's a necessary condition. And my, again, who am I to say? My sense, and in some respects, this gets back to the concern I have about um, the, the Apple University and stuff like that in general. Is my sense is. This is a pretty core belief to Apple, and it's something that you've heard Tim Cook talk about. I mean, I included a quote in here, but there are other quotes that are very similar where he points to the fact that Apple has a very unique structure and organization and, 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 that, they're, and that it's a core thing that makes Apple what it is and that he is dedicated to preserving that. And my sense, again— I've, I I could be wrong, but my sense is they they do believe that is a an essential part of what makes Apple Apple, and I don't know if there's a debate about changing it. So so there are there are two things, and it's I I, I want to throw into the mix, and they argue for either side. And well, well let's let's get those two sides. I mean, I think that just 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 to put it out there, basically yeah. the, the 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 question raised in the article is my contention is that service just like. Um, gunpowder and paint require different sorts of businesses around them to be successful. I think the same thing applies to services and products like the iPhone. You need a different sort of organization with a different structure. And to be successful, Apple needs to needs to split it up. Or if they think that the most important thing is that they remain a functional organization, then they need to back off on their services thing. So th- th- just just to put the context of like what's the, the what's the choice that that we're talking about. Hmm. So, um, actually, before I get into those two points, then is it's necessary to change the uh, the organizational structure be- from a business perspective or from the ability to ship great products perspective? Because so I like when you mentioned you could look at um, Apple's Apple's um, uh, leadership team and you could see it all being very uh, functionally oriented. I went and did the same with Dropbox and. Like it looks like they are still organized functionally as opposed to around product, which I guess makes sense because um, they really only still have one core product, right? Right. And that's always the case, even in a divisional organization. Within the division, there mm-hmm. are going to be functional teams, right? So if Dropbox was a division at Apple, there would still be the engineering part. There would be the software part. There would be the sales part. But the point is there. there's a level – if you look at the company from a holistic perspective, there's a level of duplication. So there's different engineering teams. So if you're at Microsoft, for example, there's the Office engineering team and there's the Windows engineering team and there's the Azure engineering team. And they are separate teams with separate managers, with separate work schedules, with separate – 
the coordination is much looser, but it's looser uh, on purpose because they're different products that have different needs. And they'll have different marketing teams and different sales teams. And so within the office organization, it's functional. But Microsoft as a whole is divisional. And so the the it's it's shifting from uh, prioritizing. So the priority becomes the product as opposed to the priority becoming the overarching the overarching company. I, I mean, and this is the I, I'm saying company, but this is it's almost illustrative. Uh, it's almost easier to make the point I'm trying to make uh, by illustration, which is when the iPod dies if 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 apple had been divisional and the ipod and the iphone were ipod existed and iphone came along the ipod division may have not wanted the iphone to do well because it was going to kill it but in a purely functional organization people are like okay that's fine like i'm not I, my purpose isn't the 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 product i'm in my purpose is apple and if we ha- make another product that kills this product that's okay because i'm not iPod, I'm Apple. It, right. It, it, what's interesting, though, is is and I, I, the first draft of this was wasn't clear on this, and so I, I did go back and, and change it. Is the the iPod was actually the last time Apple really did have kind of a division, and so Tony Fidel was the VP of iPod, mm. and by all by all accounts. It's not an accident that when the iPhone came out, uh, iPod, uh, Tony Fidel soon left the company, mm. and you know there was an aspect of the the stars of the company were was was the iPhone and the the iPod team felt you know like left in the dark and, and behind. So I, I would hesitate to overstate this particular aspect. I mean, certainly there's an aspect where the company can more, more cleanly move on from, from products. But at the end of the day, like there were people working on the iPod that used to be the stars and they're, they weren't the stars anymore. The people who worked on the iPhone were the stars. And, and uh, actually, I think a lot of what Apple has done and then a further thing, I think with, with once, um, you know, Scott, Scott Forstall left, there was an, I think an effort within Apple to further, to further loosen the sense that anyone was affiliated with one particular product, because I think they they, they want they wanted to deepen the, the the integration and working across across the company. So I just all that I would say is like I think a big benefit which you just articulated is the company can shift more. But the other you could almost the I think the other way to think about it is that Apple in many respects is is a single is a single product company and they've been a single product company for a very long time. They make personal computers. They just get ever more personal. Like the personal computer was a Mac. Then it was a, and now it's gone down to being a phone and ideally in the future a watch, but there's the, the way these products are made and what goes into them. And particularly because the software aspect so much can be shared, but the businesses are the same, the way you sell them, the, the margins on them, the, the way that they're go to customers, all the parts of the business, they're, they're, they're variations on a theme, if that makes sense. Mm. So, so it's almost been, it's, it has almost been a, it, it, it hasn't had to move away from the functional, uh, the functional organization to a division organization just because fundamentally, although it looks very different in terms of how it manifests, it's been doing the same thing all along. Exactly. I, 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 and I don't think you can – and so to a degree, they are like a startup that just has, be, has been hitting the same note for 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 decades. And so the the reason that it needs to move to this divisional type structure is that this is something that is very very different. This is if you want to make services successful and successful in a way other than just supporting, I mean uh, actually I want to I'd like to get your views on this, but I'll let me state it this way. If you want to make services something other than just supporting the existing hardware, something that stands in its own right, it needs to be separate and I mean and the competencies of the engineers. It doesn't make sense necessarily to have the engine like it, it, right now you have a pool of engineers that are and you've picked that pool based on many of uh, creating these ever more personal computers. If you're going to have a pool of engineers that are focused on services, they are going to start to look different and the nature of them is going to be different and how you monetize it's going to be different. And so you need to separate these out. 
Yeah, and, and, and for sure, Apple, Apple's cloud engineers and people in that that organization are are have different skill sets than than like people mm. creating the phones. But what what's more important is not the people and the skills. It's how, it's how they work. Like a a service. Like if you if you if you want to build an effective service. We, we, we've touched on this. It's iterative. It's it, it's you, you you get it out there, and because what you're dealing with, um, first of all, there's lots of kinds of services, which I think is an important distinction. Mm. But, so there's there's but what's we'll with the traditional cloud based services like like what iCloud is mostly. Um, iCloud needs to run on uh, multiple browsers, on multiple operating systems, in multiple environments with with three G, with two G, with five, with 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 four G, with with Wi Fi, with, with with wired networks, with connections dropping, with huge latency with with no latency like the number of variables and and what goes into uh working effectively it has to run in different data centers there has to be data redundancy they have to deal with outages they have to deal with with the internet going down like they, they have to be able to go over the firewall in china like the, the the number of variables that go into it is is massive and you have so much and a huge number of those variables you have no control over and and so the way you build a product is you focus on resiliency and the ability to to handle bad situations well and then you iterate on that and you add features and you see what breaks right and, and you you add stuff knowing it's going to break and you're going to have to iterate it and make it better and and that's all fine what but that's you don't build a phone that way the way you build a phone is you're focused on a specific point in time. This phone is going to be released in September 9th or whatever the date date mm-hmm. is. And on that date, we are we, we're that means we have to actually finish the phone like a year before. We have to get the manufacturing in place. We have to figure out, you know, how to scale that manufacturing, get it going so that we can produce a millions and millions of an identical device that is as perfect as we can make it. And we have almost total control of every part of that process. We choose the materials that go into it. We choose the machines that go into it. We manage the workers who put it together. Like we make almost every single decision about this device so that it can be as as good as it can possibly be. And we're going to organize our organization. We're going to make it so that the chip team, not only do we want them to interact with the with the OS team, they have to interact because if they don't, this thing's not going to get out the door. Like So Apple, these meetings and these coordination are not just a matter of desire they're a matter of necessity and we're going to force integration and and that's again you want and this is why i'm not necessarily recommending apple do this i'm just i was trying to present it that this is a choice they have to make you i'm it's hesitant to mess it with that i mean this is a company on an unbelievable winning streak on a winning streak for years and this is a core part of it the problem is everything i just described about building a phone is the exact opposite of how you build a, of how you build effective services so it's interesting cuz you're reminding me of a conversation we had in a very different context around um, business theory and how it's gone from the industrial world into the internet world which is a world where marginal costs a scale effectively dropped to zero and how you have to think about it very differently and how these theories, um, they do work the same way for the most part, but it's just so mind-bendingly different to stick those marginal costs of zero in and that's not how most people think about it. And it's almost, yeah, you're like from the outside conceptually it's like yeah you're still shipping a product and yeah you're still focused on shipping it and making it great and you're just doing it on a much smaller time scale but the actual the uh the the uh the uh, what that's like actually is so completely different from uh, the doing it. What it's like doing it on a, an, a weekly or a daily or an hourly basis is so incredibly different from a year-long time frame that it requires them to set up an entirely. Well, it I won't say that it should require them to set up an entirely different organization because the secret source to make one successful is so completely different from the secret source to make another successful. Totally. And it's, it's, we, one thing we've talked about is, is the, it matters what your priorities are in the order Mm. that they, that, that they come in. And obviously you want a phone to be resilient and to fail gracefully like the software and you want it to be as perfect as possible and you want your services to be as perfect as possible and resilient that sort of stuff but what is the what is number one is different and then there's a there's like path dependence like once you once you Mm. head it in a different direction everything else changes so 
if you with an online service, the goal, of course, you want it to be as good as you can be, but that cannot be the top priority. The top priority is, like I said, it's resili- it's resiliency. It's 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 its ability to handle an infinite number of variables that you don't control. Whereas the phone, like the goal really is, like Johnny, I've said, to build the best possible product. But when you have control of everything, like you do with the phone, that the way that manifests is not resiliency. It's it's in perfection. And again, the phones are not perfect by any means, but that's the goal. Like that's, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the moon they're shooting for with the hope they'll hit a streetlight. Yeah. And on, on every, yeah, it's just the the nature of like you having to guess a year out the big thing versus getting to iterate and try and fail quickly and like just okay that didn't work like the culture required to support something that where yeah you get to try things and see what works and deprecate what doesn't quickly and move on is so very different from like okay in 18 months we need to ship this thing what are the things we should be thinking about in order to get out in front and to set the direction from the market it's just so different right and so it's, i mean when i talk about services services is, is basically like recurring activities recurring and which often generates recurring revenue but it's this idea of of recurring things that that happen at scale versus like products being like single single items sort of things. And so w- the services don't are, aren't just internet services. They're also things like Apple Pay. They're things like the App Store. They're they're they're, they're things like like iTunes. And uh. in in the scale in which these things work and work and work effectively, where Apple tends to do better is where they're dealing with large entities and they they it, and they can like get in a room and, and figure it out. So like the the iTunes Store is a classic example, right? You're only dealing with a few publishers. And, and, and so what you, and you make a deal with them is protracted and difficult as can, can be. And then you go forward when it comes to like the app store though, which to my mind is a, is a great, you know, the idea of the app store, the idea that there'd be third party apps in the iPhone was not a new idea. The way it was implemented, it'd be this one safe place. You could be, you f- not feel dangerous going there and, and the review and all that sort of stuff was brilliant. Like the app store is a brilliant sort of thing. But as I, you know, we, we've talked about, I've written about a lot, I think it's a huge missed opportunity for Apple. And the reason it's a missed opportunity is because I don't believe they have fostered a, a, e- an economy where a platform where people can build sustainable businesses or there and have these deep apps that are super complicated and involved and complicated in a good way and, and really bring to bear the potential of, I think the iPad in particular has really suffered from this. And what mm. makes that difficult is the way you do that, the way that the, the app store is managed is you don't do it by, by fiat. Again, you don't just, you, you don't will it into being. It's all about setting up policies and incentives and rules. It's like managing, managing an economy, like where you can make changes in incentives and how the economy works. And because it's a closed economy, you have, you have much more control than you do in like the, the, the national economy. But like the, why can the federal reserve change an interest rate that actually doesn't directly affect anyone, but it's like a butterfly effect. Like it, it, it filters through to all kinds of things that, that has an effect on the economy. Like this, the problem you, with that is it's a letting go of control. Like it, it's not how Apple thinks. Well, the, the, <laughs> The, the as you were talking about that, you were reminding me of a statement that you made earlier on, which is about creating the conditions to create great products. And it's crazy because Apple's so good at doing it internally, but as soon as you hit the the streets around the campus, they really have issues in letting go. And it's almost as if they need to take some of that approach that they use internally and foster it inside the app store as well. But as soon as it gets across the borders of, is this an Apple thing? They really aren't very good at doing it. What, right. And, and again, because they have learned that controlling everything works out well for them. They can create great phones. They can create great, great tablets. They can create great computers. Mm-hmm. And this is why if they want to, if they want these areas with the potential and the, and the, the reason why it's hard to offer this criticism is you can look at the app store and well, the app store is a huge success. Well, it's a huge success because it's, uh, it's on the iPhone, right? It, it's riding the coattails of the iPhone. And, 
and it's like DuPont, right? If DuPont, if World War II had come along and they could make a bunch of gunpowder, would they have ever fixed the paint division? Probably not, because the company would be hugely profitable. Mm. And the, the the issue, and the reason this comes up is because Apple's, you know, the iPhone growth is slowing. All the low hanging fruit has been picked, right? The, the you know they're in, they're in most countries, they're on most carriers, they have they have multiple sizes. And well, I think growth will restart this, you know, in ne- ne- next year. And I think the iPhone will be fine. It's not going to be the 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 rocket ship that it, that that it has been for, for for so many years. And and so it was striking the degree to which Apple spent so much time in, in this last earnings call making the case that look at all this recurring revenue we have, and and we're a services company, and and the amount of money they make in services is incredible. So it's really hard to turn around and criticize it because it's it's super powerful. But my contention is it's powerful by virtue of being the default choice on on the iPhone and what is being missed is the 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 huge opportunity costs all this stuff that they're not doing and if apple is serious about this they actually want to be a service company if they want to build out like apple pay and, and this and this I, the apple could own your identity or what I talk about the watch the watch should could be the key to your life and being able to interact with everything or apple tv being like a like an amazon echo sort of thing done you know to do this they have to let go. They have to foster a – it's a different kind of business that requires different kinds of thinking and requires different kinds of processes and different kinds of timescales. And I don't see Apple ever having these services live up to their potential as long as they keep the same organization that they have because the iPhone will always be king and what makes an iPhone great will always control everything. It's interesting, right, because – I I think back to our respective um I think back to our respective time at Apple and and um you were inside of university and I was inside of retail and the thing that was uh the thing that's interesting about retail is that it is an example of Apple having one of these anomalous organizational structures when they started retail they knew it was so different and it was managed separately. It was it was interesting the degree of integration, um, particularly at headquarters. Like I could, I still like we were still in the ballpark of Cupertino. You'd still go over and talk to people in marketing or whatever. Um, but it had a separate profit and loss. It was managed separately. It, yeah, it, it, even in Cupertino, like it, it's it's a hike away from everywhere else, right? It, it was a hike. Um, it was it you, you. They were off to the side. It felt separate it didn't feel so it wasn't it wasn't walled off in the sense of never the never the twain shall meet it wasn't like don't go near campus don't talk to other people and there were links across into the mothership but it it did feel like a separate organization it it absolutely was and 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 you're right it had to be because you can't manage you, you can't manage hundreds of stores around around the world the same way you create an iPhone, right? Like, how do you make sure that the manager of the store in Madison, Wisconsin is is being effective and and running the store as well as well as well as he can be? Like you're not there. There's not he's not delivering a component of a phone that I mean what's great about what's great about building a, a physical product is measuring success is easy. Mm. It's because either it's good or it's bad, or it, by extension, either it's it sells it well sells or it doesn't, right? right? Yeah. And and there's an aspect of here where Apple, perhaps in their well deserved appreciation of their structure and how it contributes to their success, there's also a bit of lack of appreciation in the sort of implicit benefits they get from that. So Apple can come out and say, we, we, have, we only have one P&L. We don't have people who are like, we don't have anyone whose career rides on the success of the iPod and thus is, um, at least not anymore, and, and thus is incentivized to block the iPhone. Or the Mac, we don't have to worry about the head of Mac being hurt by the introduction of the iPad Pro, for example, because we have one P&L. It just matters how the company does, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, the advantage of that, though, is it's still very easy to see how people are performing in the company. And and what the problem with like a retail store, for example, it's really hard for someone in Cupertino to see how the store in Madison, Wisconsin is doing. And yes, they can register customer complaints and and how long it takes the Genius Bar to fulfill their sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, either the like 
what's the one metric that wraps up how that store is performing in a nice little boat? A profit number. All that sort of stuff. The level of service you have, how long people wait in line, like all the all that stuff contributes to that. And that's what makes a PL so powerful. It's not that it's it's that it's a it's not that it's money, it's that it's a representation of all the activities of the business. Which is what makes it so powerful, but also what makes it so dangerous as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so with that in mind, so there's two parts. There's two, I think the two parts to answer. One, which I think we've done a pretty effective job, uh, is making the case for why a <clears throat> you need a different structure for for different, completely different activities. So I would propose that if Apple is actually serious about services, like in really building this out, and and they arguably should be, like it is a, it is a big opportunity, and it's not a big opportunity. And what's interesting is less internet services. Like I think you're not going to make money by selling iCloud to lots of people, but all these device centric sort of services, right? Having a watch that unlocks your door or works as your badge at work or unlocks your, or drives your car or having Apple pay work everywhere. Like, again, you see the problem here. What, how has Apple succeeded in Apple pay where they can negotiate directly with big entities, with banks or the one, the two, like they've been effective when it comes to creative incentives so that all the small fry adopt it. Yeah, they've been terrible. Not only they've been ineffective. I I I wrote about this a couple times and actually had had multiple small business owners reach out to me. We're saying they were trying to get Apple Pay into their store, and the Apple was just completely unhelpful. And and again, because you have a mindset where where of a control mindset, and you all you need a completely different organization that has a different mindset that, that thinks about these problems differently. And, and so one, it has to be separate, but two, I think that goes part and parcel with it has to be, I think you have to have its own P and L because the culture of Apple is what makes Apple great. That culture is so strong that you need like the strongest bluntest, bluntest possible instrument to sort of break that if that makes sense, right? You need the guy in charge of Apple Pay and getting it into small and medium-sized businesses to be as heavily incentivized as possible to make it work. Because at the end of the day, making it work will require will require letting go of control. It will require creating incentives, creating programs that do this at scale. And that goes against Apple's tendency. It goes against their culture. So you need a way to break out of that. The, the challenge will be in, 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 in doing that and getting them focused on those things that they don't lose um, they don't lose the magic of uh, how it integrates and how they how it integrates with the hardware, how they come up with new ideas when they when they say no, this isn't working and learn to let it go because they, they might they might set someone off on one of these things and then you start to have all the old issues around a, a divisional structure. Now, uh, the thing that the, the th- and this was the two the two sided thing that I was going to bring up earlier. The, the thing that gives me hope is they've recognized and successfully done this before with retail. The thing that concerns me is that they've had services for forever, and that's not the approach they've taken to it. it, it it's a good point. I think both points are good. But I, what what makes me interested in this now it, it is mm. is. The earnings call, right? Yeah, like they, they actually seem serious about this. And it and I and again that's the point of it. I agree with you, like it's super dangerous to mess with what works. But at the same time, it's also super dangerous to believe that there is only one way to do something and you will do it forever until the end of time. And if they are serious about services and if they are serious about taking advantage of the opportunity, to me, this you have to do this. And if you don't do it, if you say we're going to build out this business, but we're going to keep everything else the the way it, the way it's been, you're just not going to succeed. It, the, the degree to which you're going again, it's going to be hard to see because ser- Apple's services and offerings will always be effective because they're part of the iPhone and they will ride the coattails. But they are what will be harder to see and harder to measure is the foregone opportunity because they weren't structured to take advantage of it. Well, it's whether they think about the whether they think about services succeeding 
uh, using the iPhone as a fire starter to get things going or whether they end up succeeding only on the fact that the iPhone has it as the default forevermore. Right, exactly. And and the danger there, the danger is as service, which is we've absolutely touched on, as services become more and more important and as the ability mm. to interact broadly and to be a part of an ecosystem becomes ever more important, the danger is that if Apple services fall too far behind, it starts to hurt the iPhone. Like I'll tell you, I I would like to switch. I I I have an Android. There's parts of it I would like to switch to. I mentioned my arm was broken. I like the speech recognition was so much better. But there there's so many other things just plug in better and it's more flexible and powerful. I I personally can't handle it because scrolling alone and and there's little the even on the I have most modern hardware. I I personally again this is a personal thing. You reasonable people can disagree. <laughs> I personally. Do the, the what comes out of Apple's integration and their experience building this stuff still resonates with me as a as a user, someone touching it. But but it the the question is closer than it's been in a very long time, but at least for me, it's re- it is really going to it, if they are serious about it, and it's not just a stunt that they're pulling to try and uh, affect uh, earnings multiples as growth of the core product slow down. They're trying to redefine themselves. Um, uh, it's really going to be interesting to see whether they think, whether they think that organizational structure is some sacrosanct thing that they can't mess with, or whether they recognize there's a deeper understanding around why it's made them successful and why going forward into this services world, if that's the world that they, if they're genuine in what they say, that's where they need to go then why that model may not may not be the best vehicle for them to go forward with yeah and and honestly my i i'm skeptical i am i'm skeptical that that uh apple will will do this will reorganize will create a separate division again yes yes they have a separate division under eddie q which is internet services but that like that is a one it's a grab bag like just basically everything i don't know where to put goes there two it's it's a part of the same org right like i'm talking about it's totally distinct with its own its own pieces its own marketing its own all that sort of stuff that 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 lives separately and is has the freedom to create all these different sort of rhythm and purposes and again has accountability. The, 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 again, this accountability thing is super duper important. The problem is, even if Apple's services achieve their potential and 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 they become like Apple Pay expands to include your wallet and they get all this health stuff and all this sort of stuff, it will likely never approach the profitability of the iPhone just because the, the the sheer scale of the iPhone is just incredible. And the and so as long as which means it's going to be harder to understand and measure how well that division is doing. So it needs to be explicitly broken out away from that. So you can see, you can have visibility into how well you are doing. I'm skeptical they'll do it. I think they, I really think they believe deeply in that to be Apple is to be a unitary organization. The other thing with, with this unitary organization is I talk about that, like there's these core pieces of Apple and that's one of them and, and Apple's culture and, and being mission driven. And, and Apple is this intricate sort of machine, like a, a fine Swiss watch, you know, that all the pieces work together. The other thing though, to remember is one of the reasons app, you know, Apple it's, it's, it can be very hard to get stuff done in Apple and, and people will go work on projects for ages and, and, and they feel they don't get support and other teams aren't helping them and, and management's ignoring them. And like, what am I doing here? Uh, particularly if you're not on like the big, the big things, but, but the power comes is when Apple decides we're going to do this, the, because the, the organization is functional, like it can reorder itself underneath a new project remarkably quickly. And, and Apple's Apple has more agility than a lot of other big companies because no one's married to one particular thing. You can immediately rewind and do this. You immediately rewind and do that. And yes, if you're not, if the shining light of the executive team is not shining down on you, it sucks because you're not in alignment. You're just kind of floating along. But when you're aligned, it's super powerful. Like that was the perfect structure for someone like Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs created Apple to 
to be a company that could manifest where he wanted to to take the company, what he wanted to do remarkably quickly. He could change his mind. He could shift from Apple. He stood up in this presentation back in 2000 saying, Apple is going to be all about movies and iDVD, and we're introducing a DVD burner with the iMac. Nine months later, he's up back on stage saying, the future is the digital hub, and we're going to start with music and introduce iTunes. Like The company completely and utterly changed its strategy in nine months, and that's incredible. And, and they did it without having to do a big reorg or do all this sort of stuff because just the way the company was structured and by being organized functionally, you could change focus very, very quickly. And obviously, that was the turning point, right? And, and and then the iPod came out. The iPod came out. The iPod was built and developed in six months. Right? You think about Apple being this perfectionist company. The speed with which they can do these things is uh, is incredible, and it becomes this organization. And that, the, the, and you, but one of those big pieces was Jobs. Like Apple was built to be the manifestation to to, to be the hands of Jobs in, in many respects, and Jobs isn't there anymore. And Cook is a, a a brilliant person, a great CEO, but he will be the first to tell you he's not a product person, right? That's why Johnny Ive, I think, has been elevated. But Johnny Ive uh, has, I think, a, a narrower set of expertise than, than Jobs did. And I yeah. guess my question is, Tim Cook has said he wants to preserve what Apple mm. is, but has what Apple was, has is that gone forever in some respects? Or, or is preserving uh, is preserving the wrong approach? Like, are some of the things that that have become sacred and the, 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 uh, are they actually going to hold Apple back in the future? I mean, it's interesting because um, I'm trying to reconcile the fact that a couple of episodes back, uh, with the introduction of the iPhone SE, we were praising um, Apple for doing something that is. Um, that is extraordinarily hard to do, which is to introduce this product and cut the margins on on a core product and risk of cannibalization and all those other things. And like that's a sign of a well-run company. And and here we are today, and it feels like it it feels like the conversation is a um, is a lot more um, bearish. Yeah. As as we look out into the future, and I'm trying to reconcile these two things, and where I'm landing is that from an operational perspective, um, from the perspective of um, m- managing things and making the right kind of decisions for what Apple's done in the past, it's still as well run as it ever has been. The, the risk is that for Apple to be successful in the future, it requires an entirely different approach and there was a degree of vision that Jobs and and a degree of uh, that only a founder can bring when they say that we need to change direction and people don't even stop to question. They're like, okay, that's what we're going to do. That that may be required to move into this services world, and that's what they lack. Well, but here's the thing, though. There's no way Jobs would do would do what I'm proposing. No way. He. The first thing he did when he came back to Apple was reorganize the company to be functional. Like this was incredibly, maybe the most important thing to him was that the company be organized this way. And th- I kind of made the joke about, you know, I was going to do the what would Steve do? Like th- if Apple is serious about pers- being the, not just getting the f- kind of services right when they get for free because they make the iPhone, but actually building it out and and having reaching the potential that 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 they have because they have this massive install base and they can leverage all these all these phones that are out there again to do this whole new world of services that that aren't email like are, are these amazing sort of things. Steve Jobs would be arguably the wrong leader for pa- for perhaps, the company. But don't forget a that retail was created under his watch. Yeah, and, good point. And b like as much as as much as we like to characterize him is he had an ability to change his mind when things weren't working or be present or evidence was presented to the contrary like he had those strong beliefs but he wasn't unshakable in them uh, it's it's a great it's a great point and we're going a little long but the, i guess the one other thing and i kind of threw this in in the update the next day is uh, this is in some respects one of the best arguments for building a car yeah, because yeah. It, it, I think it's, and I think I've said it, in many respects, it's it's 
it's almost it's easier to learn how to build a car than it is to change the fundamental nature of your yeah. organization. Like Apple is what it is, and the culture is what it is, and that's a great thing. And I, I am, and that's why I wasn't backing away when I the next day when I said like I was trying to present a choice here. I'm not. What I was saying is, if they are serious mm-hmm. about services, mm-hmm. they need to reorganize in this way. Yep. The that, that. flip side of that is maybe they shouldn't be serious about services because the intrinsic nature of what makes Apple Apple is more important than taking advantage of this opportunity that is there. And and that's the nuance that I was looking for. It makes perfect sense. My issue with the car thing is just I, I think that the, the market for transportation is about to fundamentally shift and that that it's, it's – uh, mm, yeah, yeah, we've covered that. We've covered that. Yeah, but I think right. this – like if you think about we like our structure is where it is our culture is where it is given that what opportunities do we have well you you, you can you 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 could see it but Let's anyhow make paint yeah <laughs> paint is definitely involved in cars yeah all right cool certainly um i'm sure this is something we'll come back to uh, 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 again and again i i'm very eager to see the next call see how much they they kind of double down on this and hey we'll see we'll see yeah i mean it's it's a it's a great example of like it's one thing to see what they say it's the the really to understand a company strategy you got to watch what they do and i if something like this does happen then it is definitely a flag they're serious about it but i i think you're right i think it's gonna be a it's a it's a pretty tall order for this to have. I'd be very surprised if it's not just that it's a tall order but like it's it's a huge risk like you're messing with what works it's true all right, sounds good. Uh, it was good talking to you, and yeah, we we got. I think we got late like eight times in a row, so we're, we we will try to do better. But uh, hopefully, it was it was worth it. Sounds good, mate. See ya. All right, talk to you later. Bye.